This is Queen Victoria. Welcome to Murder Lab, the podcast where I dissect serial killers and analyze what I find. Previously did an episode about stranglers, like five billion years ago. I covered Walter K. Ellis, Steve Wright, Timothy Wilson Spencer, and Maury Travis in that episode. If you're not familiar, it's best if you go back and listen to that before you listen to this because you'll need to know all the details because I'm just hitting all the highlights. And then the last episode that I did was Stranglers Part 2, Stranglier, and I covered Anthony Sowell, Herb Baumeister, and Joel Rifkin. If you did not listen to that one, go back and do so as well. For the same reason. So in this episode, I'm going to compare... The Strangler serial killers from the first episode of the series and then the Stranglers from the second part of the series. And just compare them to each other and see what we find from comparing and contrasting. But before, I would like to do a, uh, I'm going to steal Igor's beakers up. I'd like to give a beakers up to Pop Rocket Creations and Kyle Sliney. If you've been paying attention, and you should be, you will notice that we have some new logos and such on our Facebook pages and on the website. So they took some of my drawings and uh, my artistic vision and they made it better. <laughs> so we're excited. They have um, a better version of Igor and we've even got um, a lab rat image now. So between the three of us, because he's also does business with his wife. Well, and, and Igor, let's, and Igor had definitely had creative input because uh, she definitely had a lot to say about the crime keeper. So between the four of us, I think we came out with a, some nice advertising images. <laughs> and uh, make sure you check out Pop Rocket Creations, follow them on Facebook and all that stuff. They actually will, will be at events. I think I saw that they even have like merch that you can get where they've created cards and stuff. So make sure you check that out. And they're reasonable uh, price-wise and they're reasonable as humans. <laughs> We really enjoyed working with them, and I liked the fact that they didn't mind me having a lot of thoughts and opinions on what how I wanted things to look. And he actually encouraged me to give him my visions and my doodles and, you know, so they were really fun to work with, and I can't speak highly enough about them. We know that, uh, or maybe you don't know, and you need to know, I did a Dexter deep dive where I dug all into him and the series and the uh, the books and the movies, uh, the books and the series. If you haven't listened to that, make sure that you listen to that. I believe I did two I did two episodes on that because, uh, you know, there are eight seasons and eight books. And then, of course, now there is the Dexter New Blood that just came out on Showtime, or it's, it's still coming out. They're doing a weekly thing. I think there's going to be, what, like six or seven episodes or something? I can't remember. Um, but at any rate, however many episodes there will be. They're not, I think they're saying like it's, they're not necessarily considering it season nine. It's like it's new own thing. I don't fucking know. Whatever. So Dexter New Blood. I actually subscribed to Showtime just for that. We'll see whether I keep it or not. They are, it does look like they have some other interesting things on the, on their channel. So I have seen the first two episodes. I'm not sure yet if there's been a third one or not. I can't remember what days it's supposed to come out on. I'm terrible with that. I just, uh. I just check. I have the the conflict where I do get used to binging things. So it's kind of weird to just watch an episode and be like, I have to wait a fucking week now. So part of me was like, well, maybe I'll just wait until there's more episodes build up and then I'll just watch them together. But I don't know. I'll probably, knowing me, I won't be able to stay away 
So I'll probably just watch it week to week. And I will be doing Dexter updates. The spoiler-free version on the first two episodes is... I'm not sure how I feel about it so far. Now, to jump into the spoiler version... So if you haven't watched Dexter's... The Dexter New Blood yet, episodes one and two, then go watch them and then come back and listen. Or just, uh, if you don't want a spoiler, just fast forward. Jump, jump ahead a little bit. So real fast, I'm not sure. I'm just not sure. It's, um, it's weird to see Dexter. He seems more, like, laid back and... Dexter line dancing, it feels weird. And now he wasn't very good at it. Which I also think, if Dexter... I think Dexter would be good at it. Because Dexter's good at, like, everything. Although, it's like the Clark Kent. Like, if you look too good all the time, then you'll people notice you. But if you're kind of, like, normal, then they don't as much. I don't know. But it's just, it's weird. Like, it just feels weird to see him in this context. And uh, I do kind of like that they have Deb appearing to him instead of Harry now. I am sure that she probably loved that basically, so far, her role is just yelling at him. <laughs> and, you know, they were married. And they divorced, and I don't know if that was amicable or what, but, you know, I'm sure there's probably some kind of resentment or something there. And I think that that's probably healthy for her, that she's able to claw his mouth open and shove a bullet in it. So (laughs) I think that's interesting. I guess I I like that his sons showed up, that Harrison found him. And I I like that they explained how he found him, because it's one of those things where I'm like, if Dexter's going to be found, Dexter's not going to be found. But I think they do a reasonable job of kind of explaining how he tracked him down. And there are some nods to his past life, like he is in a bowling league now, and Hannah's dead. So we all know that I'm happy. I don't have to worry about seeing her again. It's still a weird thought that there's a part when Deb's like, he'll be safer with Hannah. It's just weird for me to think that he was ever really safe with Hannah. But, you know, I'm glad that she's kind of just in the periphery and we can just kind of move forward and see how things are going to progress. So the first thing that I noticed is as soon as it was in like a a cold climate setting, my first thought was Robert Hansen. And in case you're not sure, that is the serial killer who supposedly hunted women down. He would would fly in an... He had a helicopter. He would pick up women and then take them to this cabin in the middle of nowhere, set them loose, and then hunt them. And um, he killed, I don't know how many women he killed, but it was uh, was actually in Alaska. So there were women that would come and go. It was kind of in a, a village where there was a lot of traveling. It was like a hub of commerce. And so it wasn't unusual for women to show up and disappear. And so as soon as they showed that, that was my first thought. And then they show a young girl who was new to the town and the the chief of police feels protective over her. And then you pretty much, you see that she was abducted and um, they show a fast clip of somebody like aiming a rifle or a bow and arrow. I can't remember which one, but you know, so there, I, they are, I'm pretty sure they're leading up to a Hanson-esque murderer. And it looks like it's going to be Clancy Brown, which I fucking love Clancy Brown. He is amazing, and I love him, and I'm so excited that he's part of the series. It kind of sucks that they didn't show him until, like, I think, like, the end of episode two. But I'm glad that they brought him in, and they set things up with his son going missing. His son was a big old fucking asshole. So um, I wasn't really sad to see him die. Uh, But... (laughs) Yeah, so I like how they set things up. I think it's interesting that he was, he didn't kill for 10 years. And in serial killer terms, that may seem unlikely, but it is possible. It, I, it has been done. So there have been a few where they stopped for a while. Like, um, I believe Dennis Rader stopped for a while. Um, and uh, I'm thinking, um, 
Why can't I think of his name? There's a Green River Killer and the BTK Killer. Ridgeway and Raider. I think they both stopped for a period of time, if I, if I remember correctly. But it has been documented that there are some serial killers that can stop for a period of time. So I feel like that's a thing. Like, he could have gone a long period of time without killing. But I think it's, it's also understandable that he would relapse, especially in those circumstances. So I guess, I guess I am kind of in favor of it. I guess I do like it more than I realized. But it still does feel a little weird. But I guess, you know, when you have a whole new setting for things and he's, I don't know, for some reason his hair just seems really different and I don't know that I love it. But he's still a wonderful looking man and he's still Dexter. So <laughs> aside from all that, I am looking forward to seeing how they develop things and where things will go. So we'll see what happens in the next episode. So my next episode, I will let you know what I think about whatever episodes have come out in the time between. So let's go ahead and jump into the actual episode, which is why we're all here. I've got a handy dandy chart. So I'm going to go through my chart. So I basically I've got the serial killer and then I've got different statistics and I have whether they have those statistics in common or not. Now, if we start with the number of victims, and again, we are speaking of Walter K. Ellis, Steve Wright, Timothy Wilson Spencer, Maury Travis, Anthony Sowell, Herb Baumeister, and Joel Rifkin. So we've got Spencer at the lowest amount of kills, which is nice because we don't like when people kill people. So he had four victims. Wright had five. Ellis had seven. Travis may have had seven to over 17. So it was hard to pin down exactly how many. And then Sowell and Baumeister were both 11. Baumeister could have had up to 16 if he is also the strangler, the I-70 strangler. And the most was Rifkin with 17, and he may have had more. I believe he claimed he had 20, but he could only remember like 17. So we have a range from 4 to 17. And if we have Sowell and Baumeister both had 11, at least 11, it's possible that Travis had 17 and Rifkin had 17. That is the range. We see kind of a pretty, pretty big range from 4 to 17 in this grouping. Now the time periods in the 1980s, Baumeister, Ellis, Spencer, and Rifkin in 1989. So Baumeister, Ellis, and Spencer were all active in the 1980s. Rifkin, like I said, he was in 1989, so he was just at the very, very end of it. In the 90s, Ellis, Baumeister, and Rifkin were active. And then the 2000s, Ellis, Wright, Travis, and Sowell were active. So again, I think it's interesting to see how many of these serial killers in this group were active at the same time. And at any one, at any given time, there were at least three to four that were active at the same time. Usually they're arrested and we don't know that they've stopped killing yet. So they get arrested after their arrest seems to be what stopped the killings. So we've got Rifkin was arrested with a body in his car. Sowell was arrested in 2009 and he had been actively killing. Travis was arrested in 2002 and that's why it stopped. And then Wright was arrested in 2006. Well, it looks like Ellis was active until 2000, from 1986 to 2007, and he wasn't arrested until 2009. And then we've got Spencer was active in 1987, but was arrested in 1988. And then Herb Baumeister was never arrested because they never felt they had enough to charge him with, and then he killed himself. As far as length of activity, Ellis was active for like 20 years. Baumeister was probably active for about 20 years. And then... Rifkin was active for about four or five years. Sowell 
and Travis were both about two years, and Spencer and Wright were only active for like one year. So that's another interesting thing is to see how many people, how long their killings, killing time passage was. And it's also how many they killed. So, for example, well, Spencer was active. So both Spencer and Wright were only active for a year, so they had four or five kills. However, Travis and Sowell were active for two years, and they had like seven to 17 or 11 kills. So they, they got up into, so they, they did, they were busy those two years. Although it's also interesting to see that Baumeister was active. Of course, this is, we don't know 100%. We just know from the bones found in his yard and if he was the killer, the uh, I-70 strangler, in like 20 years, he might have 16 victims, 11 to 16 victims. Whereas Rifkin was active for five years and he had 17 victims. So it's always interesting to see you know, how long they killed, and then how many they killed. The age range of their victims, none of them went younger than 15. So nobody killed anyone younger than 15, and nobody killed, well, and then nobody killed anybody older than 61. So the ranges are Ellis killed ages 16 to 41, Wright killed 19 to 29, Spencer 15 to 44, Travis 33 to 61, Sowell, 25 to 53, Baumeister, 20 to 46, and Rifkin, 21 to 39. So we see, we see like a 20-some year age range for Ellis. For Wright, it's about 10 years. Spencer, there's about 30-year age range. Same with Travis. Sowell, almost a 30-year age range. Baumeister was about 26-year age range. And then Rifkin is like a 12-year age range or something. So you see anywhere from like 10 years to 30 years age range. So that's also another interesting thing is to see like, well, did they kill people who are all like close to the same age? And these are pretty diverse to have up to 30 years difference. Then that's interesting to see that they apparently they had that variety as far as the ages. And it's all all of them except for well, right was about 10 years, like I said, and Rifkin stayed kind of close to the same ages, roughly. Where these occurred, we've got one in England, which was Wright, and the rest were in the, the states. We've got Wisconsin, Virginia, Missouri, Ohio, Indiana, New York. Their sentencing, three of them got life. There were two that died of natural causes. One that died of natural causes got the death sentence, but sentence, but was waiting awaiting execution when he died. That was so well. Spencer was... Got the electric chair in 1994, and then Travis committed suicide before he was sentenced. And then Baumeister, as we know, he killed himself before he was even charged officially for anything. So basically half got life, two of them got the death sentence, and only one was actually killed. And then we have two that committed suicide. Where the bodies were found, this is another interesting thing to compare Ellis's victims were all found in empty houses. Wright's was in the river or woods. Spencer was found at the victims' homes, so the victims were found in their own homes. Travis's victims, it just said East St. Louis. I didn't really see where they were specific. And then some of the bodies weren't even found. That's why they can't pinpoint how many he, he actually killed. Sowell was at his house. Baumeister was at his house. That's where they found the bones. And then Rifkin was in rivers, woods, just, they didn't say specifically, it was just like in this town. And then some of them were not found either. So if we look at that, you see two of them killed, 
have their kept their bodies near them, like in their house or around their house. So that's always an intriguing thing. And then you've got a couple. You've got Wright and Rifkin that both did Rivers and Woods. Ellis did Empty Houses. He's pretty much the only one of the group that did that. So, And then some not found were Rifkin and Travis. Now, DNA, I noticed on three of the serial killers that strangled in this grouping, three of them were fucked by DNA. So Ellis was found by it. Right once they found him, they linked his DNA to victims. And then Spencer, there was a DNA match. So at least half of them were found with uh, DNA fucked them over in some way, which is to our benefit, of course. Now, as far as the victim demographic, there were four out of the eight killed sex workers. Spencer was random. Like, he killed a lawyer, he killed a teenager, so he was kind of all over the place, which is a little unusual. But not necessarily if you consider that some serial killers do it by convenience, so they may stalk people and then just find, you know, which one is most convenient. Well, that is how he worked, is is it was random people who, who he was able to get access to. Sowell targeted women who were in bad situations, like they were, to, they were addicted to drug and alcohol. They might be homeless or, you know, had bad situations. So he targeted them. And then Baumeister targeted homosexual men. So out of this grouping... We can see that sex workers were the big focus for this group of serial killers. But, you know, again, it's interesting to see you have your random one, you have your homosexual men that were killed. But for the most part, except for Spencer and his random ones, they tar- most of these stranglers targeted people who it's not as the victim won't be as looked for as others, which is common with serial killers. Four out of the seven. I have seven. What am I doing? Four out of the seven, I can do math. (laughs) Yes, I have seven, sorry. So four of the seven did commit some kind of theft. They would burgle whether it was money or things. Ellis, Wright, Spencer, and Travis, they all were thieves. I didn't really see, and that's another thing that is interesting about when you do it in these groups where I do two two different series, is you have where, is it where you have every single one that I covered in that first episode, all of them had were thieves of some kind. And in the second episode with Sowell, Baumeister, and Rifkin, I didn't really see where they had uh, been into stealing and things like that. As far as rape, Spencer, Travis, and Sowell were all known to have raped their victims. We don't know about Baumeister because we don't really know much about... It's, it's presumed that he got them back to the house and... You would tend to think it's consensual, but I don't know. I mean, we don't know enough about it. A lot of what we have is testimony from a guy who's not really very reliable. So it's possible. And, you know, there's always the idea that it could have started as consensual and then he took it to a place that wasn't. So I don't know. So it's unknown whether Baumeister raped. Um, Rifkin picked up sex workers and usually killed them after he had consensual sex with them. I would say for Spencer, Travis, and Sowell, they, um, they all started with rape and it escalated to a certain point where they were murder. And it's interesting with Sowell where he would sometimes rape them or he would sometimes kill them and sometimes he wouldn't. So it's kind of weird that you would think that once you've gone down the path, you would just be like, okay, now I'm a killer. But apparently it's just depending on the whim, whether he would kill or decide to let them go or not. And it also depends on your level of complacency. Like, well, I don't need to kill this one because I've gotten away with it this long. So what's the likelihood that I'm not going to get away with it? 
I mean, he even had a woman go to the hospital because she fell out of his window naked and he was able to get away from that without being arrested. Yeah. How they were strangled, we don't really know with several of them. So with Ellis, they mentioned one victim had a clothesline around her neck, but I didn't really see anything else about how he had killed. I didn't see anything about how how Wright strangled. Spencer used a ligature in his strangulations. Travis, there was a belt mentioned, so um, so I think it's safe to assume that he used a ligature as well. So well used, uh, his victims were actually found with their ligatures around their necks. So one had a belt, one had a cloth, one had an electric cord. There was another where it was like her own purse strap. So he seemed to use maybe whatever was handy. Baumeister, we don't know. We just know that he, the victim, the bones were found with the hyoid broken. So we just know that they apparently had been strangled somehow. And then Rifkin, it appears that he used his hands most of the time. He did bludgeon the first two. And then when they didn't, weren't completely dead, then he strangled them with his hands. And after that point, it seems that that's what he's stuck with. So we know that some actually had the bodies in their house or in their yard. But what's interesting is Ellis dumped the bodies either near his mom's place or near his place. And at one point, he was at a halfway house. So he was dumping the bodies near the halfway house that he was living at. So that's really interesting when you see how ballsy that is, is to actually dump the bodies near places that, you know, you could be associated with if they look. Spencer would would dispose of the bodies near his house. As we know, Sowell was in his house. Baumeister was in his yard. And then Rifkin, he would kill at his home or in his car. He did keep some bodies in his garage for a temporary amount of time before he would dispose of them. Although at one point he did get a specific building, uh, like a storage space where he would dispose of the, um, keep the bodies until he could dispose of them. Three of the seven were married and had kids. That is Wright, Sowell, and Baumeister. Now, Sowell was actually divorced, and Baumeister was uh, on the path to getting divorced. But I think that's, that's another thing that it's just interesting to see who had kids, who was married, uh, maybe who had been divorced. Again, there's not necessarily any correlation between whether you're married and you have kids and you kill people. <laughs> not that as conclusive that I have seen. But it is still interesting just to kind of get an idea of who did what, who was married and, and did this and that kind of thing. License plates. So it's always interesting to me to see if license plates trip people up or what specific detail can trip people up and get them caught. Wright had his license plate traced to him because they saw his truck on uh, some, some closed TV footage on a property. Like he was, uh, they saw a van someone get out, dispose of a body, and they were able to see the license plate, and that's how it was traced to him. Baumeister had his license plate traced to him. The guy who came forward and said that I'm, you know, that uh, I think he killed my friends, I think they're missing because of him. The cops asked him to get a license plate number. Herb shows up at, the, up at, the, at a club, so Tony talks to him, and his friend goes out and gets a license plate, and that's how they find his real name, because he had been going by, like, um, is it Brian Smart or something? And that's when they realize he's actually Herb Baumeister. And Rifkin was caught because he had no rear plate. He was driving a body to dispose of it and didn't realize that the plate was gone or didn't think about it. And so he got caught because he had no rear plate. So, you know, that's bad enough when you're a regular person that doesn't kill to be caught without a rear plate because then you get a ticket. And it's just not, you know, it's uncomfortable. It's, it's annoying. 
But when you're a serial killer, it's those little details that are really fucking important. Although, we are lucky that he didn't have a rear plate because he wasn't able to kill again. Another thing that popped up is that I noticed three of the seven were in the military in some capacity. So Wright was in the Merchant Navy, Travis was in the Army Reserve, and Sowell was in the Marines. Again, I'm not saying that there's a correlation or causation, you know, that says that because they were in the military, they killed. But again, it's interesting to see. And and maybe there is a, something about certain types when they're in the military, maybe then have a proclivity to kill. I don't know. That is why we do this, is to try to see if we can find some of these things that uh, might, might point us into some kind of direction. Whether their parents were divorced, five out of the seven either had divorced parents or their dad was absent. So we have Wright and Travis, their parents were divorced. Spencer and Sowell had absent dads. Now Rifkin, he was adopted as a baby. And he actually had both parents, but then his dad died of cancer. No, his dad got cancer, I think, and killed himself. So that one's a little different because he actually had a dad growing up. But I believe that it was about the time that his dad killed himself that he started to go through uh, killing sex workers, if I remember correctly. So his might not actually count as much. It might actually be four of the seven where they had um, some kind of a rift in the family structure. Three of the seven were suicidal. So Wright, Wright was suicidal, but he did not kill himself. And then Travis and Baumeister both killed themselves. So there's that. Drinking and drugs. Wright had a drinking and gambling problem. Travis had a drug problem. And Sowell had both a drugs and drinking problem. And then just in general, Spencer and Sowell started with rape. And some got away for both of them. So they both had cases where sometimes a woman would get away. Sometimes it was before they would rape them. Sometimes it was after. So that's an interesting thing to note. As far as the DNA with Wright, I had him a note and I quote, He left semen everywhere. So this was a period in time when DNA was new. So it wasn't really anything to think about at that point in time. It was so new. No one was really, I guess, paying a lot of attention to it. And so Spencer was just like, I don't know. You know, why can't I just leave my semen everywhere? Because no one knows it's mine. And that ended up biting him in the ass. Travis actually tortured his victims. So that's interesting that out of seven of them, out of seven of them, he's the only one that, that really seemed to torture like he would torture for days sometimes he sent an anonymous letter to a paper with a map to a body and he videotaped he was known as the like the video strangler he videotaped a lot of his killings and rapes which is interesting because Baumeister's wife said he had hundreds of videotapes but when they searched his house they couldn't find any or they just found like a handful that weren't incriminating. So that's kind of an interesting thing too, is people who videotape and maybe he videotaped it kind of like Travis. We know that Sowell lived with his family for part of the time when he was raping and possibly murdering. So that is another intriguing thing is when you're living with, you have someone else in the house and you're doing this stuff, which is like Rifkin. Rifkin lived with his mom. And his mom would go out of town, so he would kill. And he actually dismembered some bodies in their house and then just clean it up before she came home. He drew a map for cops after he was caught. So just like um, Travis had sent a map to the cops anonymously or to the paper anonymously, it's intriguing that we have Rifkin that also drew maps. 
Which is not necessarily like something completely out of the ordinary that someone might draw maps to, to where their kills are. But you also see where others didn't do that. So once again, seeing what people do and don't do is just an intriguing part of these serial killers and looking at the different serial killers and the way they handle things. On a side note, <laughs> I looked up Joel Rifkin. I was trying to double check something. <laughs> and it pops up and you see like Wikipedia and there's some little clips, some pictures of Rifkin. So there's like a couple pictures of Rifkin and then Jerry Seinfeld and then more pictures of Rifkin. <laughs> Poor Jerry Seinfeld. Because he had an episode where they talk about Joel Rifkin, his picture got put in with Joel Rifkin on the internet. Isn't it fun? <laughs> I guess that's just the kind of thing that you have to expect when you're in that position. But I still... I don't know. I think it's kind of crappy to have a Seinfeld's picture when you type in Joel Rifkin. So that's pretty much the gist of it all. Those are the things that I saw that stood out when I was looking at the different facts about each case. And it's like anything where you can't say, well, this, this, and this. This is obviously why he's a serial killer, because this is what all serial killers do. So, And that's part of the problem, why it's hard to find serial killers because it's not just they don't have this pattern that oh everybody every serial killer fits in this so I can check this off and we know it's a serial serial killer but you know there are some things where it is common in the bulk of them where they do specific things but it's kind of like when they talk about on last podcast on the left it's a soup so you can see some things that maybe maybe added up put them together and for that specific person's personality that was the perfect recipe to turn them into a serial killer and depending on the personality is how they killed, how they disposed, you know, where they kept the victims, where they killed the victims, what type of victims they had. So as I mentioned, in this case, you see some where they actually killed them in the house. They kept them in the house. They they really don't like sex workers in this group. I think it's interesting two of them were in a halfway house. And I believe they were actually killing when they were in the halfway house. Going along with where they dispose of the bodies... When you see, you know, well, some of them dispose of them near their house and some were completely in a different place. Some of them, you know, so to see the boldness of some or it could be that they like some like to keep them near them. So just the psychology and seeing how the different serial killers, even though they all strangled, some used ligatures, some didn't. It's just fascinating to see how these seven people had the same proclivity but how they handled it in all these different ways. I will be doing an episode on Baumeister was killing about the same time as Larry Eiler, which I mentioned in the last episode. So I will be doing an episode of serial killers that were killing in the same place at the same time. So I'll talk about Eiler and Baumeister, and then I have a, a couple others that um, I'll throw in there. So that's that's another thing is when you have serial killers that are killing at the same time in the same area, it just it blows your mind. And obviously that makes it harder for the authorities to pinpoint who is doing what. Although at least serial killers tend to have uh, signatures. So um, like in Eiler's case, I had mentioned he tend to, I believe, disembowel and leave them near water, whereas the I-70 Strangler tended to, well, he would disembowel. The I-70 Strangler left them near water, but they were not disemboweled. So that leaves it so you can kind of say, well, it's, it's likely that since these were all disemboweled and it was Eiler and these weren't disemboweled, it probably wasn't him. So, you know, at least there's something to help go on usually. Um, even if it maybe doesn't help you find the serial killer, you can at least say, hey, at least it wasn't this serial killer. We know this serial killer did it. Maybe we'll eventually find 
the other serial killer that's running around. And maybe I'll even do a short, I'll talk a little bit more about Robert Hansen, if, uh, so that way uh, we can uh, talk about what they do in the Dexter series compared to what was Hansen was really like. So, um, so I'm happy to do that. And I might even mention the movie Frozen, I think it's called Frozen Ground, with um, Nicolas Cage and John Cusack. John Cusack and Nicolas Cage. It's based on Hansen, and it's just kind of an it's it's an okay movie. So we'll talk about that moving forward. And uh, Igor will have some stuff coming up. Keep an eye out on Pop Rocket Creations. Keep an eye out on MerlinMedia.com. And who knows? I may be putting up some of the merch finally on the site, so you can buy some for Christmas gifts. I'll have some. Maybe I'll make some more ornaments for Christmas trees, like I did last year, and post them. And uh, we can always, so you don't have to pay postage or anything like that. We can always meet up somewhere, or maybe I'll uh, just hole up somewhere and hang out and let you know that I'll be there in case you want to come check out the merch. I got all kinds of things. I love my lab rats, and as always, thank you for entering the lab. If you enjoy the experience and experiments of Murder Lab, go to Facebook, Instagram, and MurderLabMedia.com for updates. Share with your friends, those you created in a lab or not, as long as they can subscribe and listen, we'll take it. Murder Lab is available on Google Play and iTunes. The RSS feed is on MurderLabMedia.com for you to plug into your podcast app. We can always use more lab rats. We might do, uh, fuck, I don't know.